0: My name is Aaron Voth. This is my wife, Amanda. Uh, Our three children are Stella, Soren, and Mabel. Um, And Ryan asked us to talk about joy this morning. I think partially because I'm one of the few who can reach the tallest candle without burning the church down. Um, And if you think about the year that our family has had, joy is certainly not the first word that comes to mind. But um, because we serve a God who delights in us and holds all things in his control, um, it's actually a very good word to describe what he has taught us this year throughout our challenges. As some of you know, our youngest child, Mabel, um, back in February, she started having seizures um, out of the blue and was later diagnosed with epilepsy. Um, And for the next six weeks, our lives consisted of, actually you could go back to the first one, more seizures um, and more seizures and more seizures um, almost every day, Um, different medications, trips back and forth down to the cities for inpatient hospitalization, many, many, many different tests, um, trying to figure out what was going on, Um, and it was just six weeks of uncertainty and fear and heartache Um, and it was really, really challenging, Um, and the circumstances that we were living through were in no way joy-filled. And yet, uh, through it all, uh, Mabel did not lose her spunk. She did not lose her sass. She battled. She put up with so much, and she daily reminded us um, what joy can look like And throughout it all, she remained our joyful little girl. Um, And we're blessed to say that God has answered our prayers um, and provided both a diagnosis and a treatment plan that has kept our little girl healthy and safe. Uh, Today, we're celebrating 157 days without a seizure, which is a miracle. Uh, And we give praise and glory to God for providing the doctors with the answers to help our little girl and for reminding us daily of the joy that we all can find in any situation if we turn to him and remain true to his promises. So this Advent season, um, our prayer for you is that whatever you are going through, whatever the Lord has set before you, that you would experience the same joy that those shepherds felt when the angel sang, the same joy our little girl gets from wearing a tutu, uh, the great joy of Christmas.
1: There is a difference between happiness and joy. I think Aaron and Amanda have articulated that. And yet at, at Christmas, we oftentimes kind of struggle to find it. Many of us go through this Christmas season, we're, we're looking for something, something to, to minister to our soul, and we're looking for, what is it? Is it maybe these traditions of my past that I want to engage in? Is something, I'm looking for something to do a work inside of me. I was reminded this week in, in preparation, the Declaration of Independence it has this statement on it. It's not a bad statement. So if you're thinking like, wow, I'm, I'm cutting down the Declaration of Independence, I am not. But there's a phrase right at the backside of this that it causes me to keep... I always reflect back on this. And look at what it says. So we hold these truths to be self-evident. Everyone have this memorized from elementary school, right? So we can all close our eyes and, and read this together, right? No, we're not going to do that. That all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights... That among these are life, liberty, and this is the one, the pursuit of happiness. That's not bad. And in fact, I would think that most of us at Christmas are in some way likely pursuing happiness. And there's evidence likely around all of our Christmas trees. Because underneath most of them, unless you're like me and tend to be a pretty late shopper and nothing really goes under there, (laughs) it's like, whoa. And then I remember one time for It was Christmas Eve. I had a delivery arrive for Sarah because I hadn't gotten her anything. (laughs) Christmas Eve, it was funny. She didn't see the humor in it. Uh, But we have under our trees elements of happiness. And I, I won't diminish that. I really believe that these are items that likely will bring us some degree of happiness on Christmas morning or Christmas Eve. When you, whenever you open them, you're going to open something up. And in that moment, this might be something that you really desired. And you, you unwrap the package. You're just like, yes, this is exactly what I wanted. And for a while, you experience happiness. That's okay. But I'm convinced, and Aaron and Amanda did such a beautiful job just moments ago, pointing us already to what we're going to see in the scriptures this morning, that there's something different with joy than there is with happiness. Happiness focuses on what is happening to us or around us. It's dealing all with happenings and our reaction to it. If something good happens to me, I often will feel happy. If something bad happens to me, I'm not as happy. If something good happens to you, you feel happy. If something bad happens to you, maybe your enemy feels happy. You know, and and that's the reality. You know, think of what you watch the Minnesota Vikings. They win, you feel happy. Is there joy there? It doesn't last because we all know they have yet to win a Super Bowl. You know what I'm saying? Okay. When the Packers lose, are you happy? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we are. Are we happy when they win the Super Bowl? Absolutely not. But there's no joy. Even in those moments where they win a championship, there is no joy. It diminishes. Well, I'm convinced as we look at this passage of Scripture, there is something more going on here than just moments of happiness. But they say you can't buy happiness, but you can buy bacon, and bacon is pretty much the same thing, is it not? Bacon is delicious. Okay. Okay. The passage, Luke or uh, Aaron shared with us uh, this to us in just a moment ago, in Luke chapter two. Well known, this is the Christmas story. Many of you on Christmas morning will read through this with your families if you haven't read through already. But this is a well-known portion of the Christmas story in Luke chapter 2. And so at this time, Mary and Joseph have already gone to Bethlehem. And there's shepherds that are out in the fields and they're tending their flocks at night, which they would do. They were keeping watch over them, making sure no wolves and other thieves would come in and take their sheep. And in this moment, we uh, encountered this. And there were shepherds living out in the fields, tending their flocks by night keeping watch over them. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. Remember, just last week as we were encountering these angels appearing to Mary, these angels appearing to Zechariah, they were terrified. And likewise, we have the shepherds are just as terrified. And they give that same message, don't be afraid. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid. And I just pause and read through this sentence here with me, follow along. I bring you good news. In other words, this message isn't to terrify you. This message is to bring something into your life. I think the shepherds, for the most part, in day-to-day lives, were looking for moments of pleasure, moments of happiness. Maybe it was their next meal. Maybe it was an increase in their flocks, financial gain, Maybe for some of them they had aspirations of finding a spouse. We these are okay things. We look for these in our everyday lives. Some of you here may be looking for a spouse, maybe looking for you know financial increase, a raise, a pay raise, a, a job promotion, whatever that may end up being for you. You're looking for moments of pleasure, these moments of happiness, and yet these are things that won't last. Money doesn't last. Your spouse can't bring you the fruition of joy that maybe you believe that they can, but they can't, as wonderful as they may be. I don't know that anyone has married a better spouse than I have, and she's fabulous, but she doesn't bring me the kind of joy that I'm constantly longing and seeking, that I, I want to have experience in my life, and I'm sure you do as well. So there's got to be something more. And this is what the angels point to. They say, I have this message for you, and it's great joy. This is something that's good, and it's not just for you. That's important to remember. We're going to look at some things here in just a moment that are going to help hopefully illustrate that aspect. And then in verse 11, it says, today, they, this is the message now. This is the good news. This is what's going to be bringing you joy. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. They were Israelites. They knew the Old Testament that said, hey, someday, I know you're living under Roman rule and Roman oppression. You got the Roman rules, and it's like you're just tired of it. You don't want to live like that anymore. We get that. So they're looking for that Savior. They know the promise of the Messiah. They were Jewish people as well. And yet the message from the angels is somewhat dealing with that, but it's way beyond. Look at this. He says, Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah. What? This is the one we've been looking for. He is the Lord. This will be a sign to you. This is how you're going to know who the Messiah is, and they lay it out for him. You're going to find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace on those whom his favor rests. When they had seen... Him. So they they go at that point. They go to see the baby, and this is where they do, they go and find the manger. They find Jesus just as the angels had told them. And when they see him, look at their reaction. They spread word concerning what had been told them about the child, and all who heard it heard it were amazed at what the shepherds had said to them. You ever have a bit of information, and you're just glad that you're the one that has the information? It's almost like the the secret. It's like, look at, let me tell you what I know. And you use it to build yourself up as, as somehow you're esteemed for having this information. It's like having a secret recipe. Well, I won't tell you what the secret recipe is, but I'll make you the cookies. And then you're going to try it and you're going to say, wow, those are the best cookies I've ever had. Well, really, what's your recipe? I, I can't tell you what's a secret. Why do we do that? Because it keeps that value in me. And if I share it, then you have it, and I'm less. Do you see that? But that's not what the shepherds are doing. By sharing this message, do they become any less a part of what is promised to them? Absolutely not. In fact, they're sharing it to many more. Do you you see that concept? But Mary, as she encountered these things, she sees the shepherds. She hears their story of what's going on. She knows the promise has been made to her. Here she's just had this child that she... Didn't do anything to conceive. The Holy Spirit conceived it within her. And Mary treasured up all of these things and pondered them in her heart, just wondering, what in the world does God have in mind here? And you can just see that sense of joy stirring within her. As God's got something in mind. He's doing something. And the shepherds, after this point, returned, and they're glorifying and praising God. For all the things that they had heard and seen and which were just as they had been told. I'll say this now in case I forget to say it later. Joy, if you're looking for joy at Christmas, you're not going to find it on your tree. Joy is something that comes from the power of God. It is the Holy Spirit living in a person that's going to bring the joy. I believe we will see that evidenced today clearly. Clearly. But I want you to hear that now. If you're looking for joy, if you're looking for the ability to react to a difficult situation where you find that your baby girl has epilepsy and you don't know what to do, as a mother and a father, and you're struggling with this, how can something be good in this? How can I find joy and peace in the midst of this? You can't without the Holy Spirit doing something in you. It's Christmas. I am convinced we're looking for an experience that many of us can't find, and I'm telling you the answer, it's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the only one that can create in you the joy that we so much long for. You know, our son is really wanting to buy a car. What my son doesn't realize is right now he hasn't got a car that he can use that he doesn't have to pay any money for, you know? It's like I want dad. I want to. He's just, I'm sorry. Son. I want to spend all my money that I don't have and get a and get a car. I'd actually and just. I'm sorry. Yeah. He said dad. Would you buy it for me? and Then I could just pay you back without interest. It's a great idea. As it makes sense. I'm just in fairness, my dad didn't do that. My ma- my dad charged me interest. Okay. Just saying. It's like what in the world? Why would it? Now I look back and I was like, yeah, I would have trouble charging interest. My dad didn't. What in the world? In fairness, he actually made me go to the bank and get a loan, and in fairness, he probably paid off the loan, and I paid him back, whatever. He's a good guy. Anyway, this is your first car. I've picked it up for you, son. This is it. Okay, I've insured. It's a 1980s Chevette. Man, nothing runs like a Chevette, right? From 1980s. This we took a we took one of these cars. My family did when I was a kid. Okay, I was like probably I got thinking think of how My little brother wasn't born yet, so I was probably at most three, at the very oldest I was three. My older brother was four. My mom, my dad, and my grandpa were all in this car, and we said, "Hey, let's drive to Florida nonstop." Okay, <laughs> I know, pulling a trailer. <laughs> like, You've got a really strange family. <laughs> yeah. And then we brought it back. I kid you not. Coming back from Florida, we brought back a dog. <laughs> what? what? Right. I can't deny that. So we bring back this dog, but we don't want the dog in the car because the dog's just a puppy and he's going to mess. So we put him in the trailer. I'm telling you, you know dogs? dogs say, hey, hey, you want to go for a car ride? Yeah. Yeah. This dog hated cars. <laughs> Ever since that moment, hey, you want to go for a car ride? He would run, he would hide. We remember picking up one time, putting him in the truck, he was just shaking as we put him in the truck. Anyway, so it's a Chevette, it's 1980 Chevette. This is, this is gonna be Isaac's first car. I've got it all picked up for him. It's it's runs, it's it's solid, it's it's reliable. And it was like, I can imagine. So he, he invests his money. It's like, okay, I'm gonna buy this car. I bought the car. And if like, I feel happy, I've got. I've got what I wanted. I have this transportation. This looks a lot, mine wasn't a Chevette, it was an old 1974 Nova. Looked quite a bit the same, but it was much more rusty. And I actually had to take and pop rivet sheet metal on to keep the back side together. I don't know, it's like, but they create memories. But consider now so you've invested your money into this vehicle, and for this moment, you're happy. You have that which you wanted, but it doesn't last because you find out your best friend's parents just gave him this. That doesn't seem right. That doesn't even fair. My dad made me buy the Chevette, and this guy's dad gave him this car. What are you going to do with that? And your happiness is suddenly diminished, and you're left feeling unsatisfied, discontent, empty even. And you feel like, if only I could have a dad like my friend has. Not the car. I just if my, if my dad was like your dad, then it would be great. Life would be good because he would buy me this car. And we find ourselves in lack of happiness, lack of peace, lack of joy. I'm going to invite, I got Chloe and, and uh, Sophia. Come on up. I asked, I asked them ahead of time to come help me. These are two sisters and they get along super good. That's what you told me. You don't get along super good. We're going to use a microphone here. I have a little something for you for you guys helping me out, and I'm going to give that to you in just, in just a minute. But I just wanted to hear a little bit. So you guys get along, right? No. <laughs> Why not? What is, what, is it that, what is it that Chloe does that bothers you? I don't know. She just makes me angry. She makes you angry, yeah. right? And <laughs> Chloe, what is, it that, what is it that Sophia does that bothers you? A lot of things. A lot of things. Does she get away with doing things and and you get away with nothing? But you get in trouble. Who gets in trouble more? I don't know. Okay. That's totally fine. Here's what I I want to give you guys something just because I felt like I really wanted to do this. Okay? This is one of my favorites. I just got to find where I put it. Someone take it. No, I hear it. I think I hear it. There it is. Okay, here we go. Oh, look at what I've got here. That one's for you. Those are peanut M&M's. You know what those are? They're my favorite. You knew that, right? So I wanted to give you each some peanut M&M's, and, and Sophia, those are for you. How do you feel about that, Chloe? Good. Do you? Why? Because I don't like M&Ms. Oh, my word. <laughs> so let's back up. That just backfired big time. So how can you say that? So... That's that's terrible. I'm going to make you give those back and we'll go somewhere else. Do you like peanut M&Ms? Yeah. Hold on. How do you feel about that? I don't really care. You don't really care. You guys aren't helping me out at all. I want you to grasp this idea. Here's why I picked you guys, and this is why I'm really surprised this backfired. They gave me just last week a whole tin of peanut clusters that they made, right? Why would you make something you don't like? You don't like them. It's the same as a peanut M&M. Never mind. Oh, you like them. Anyway, that backfired. You can have them all. go sit down. I think my point is illustrated. Thank you. Please. I can't take you anymore. I should have checked ahead of time. There's a point, though, and you understand what what I'm getting at. And we we see these things, and I have something. It's like, there, that's good. And then someone else gets something, and I've I've lost the contentment with what I had. Jesus actually shares a story that's similar. And we find it in the Scriptures, and I, I have part of it up here, I think. But in Matthew 20, what we find is there's this landowner, and he goes and he hires some workers. I don't need this one. I got this. There's this landowner. And he's, he hires some workers for the day to work his vineyard. And he promises them some payment, like peanut M&M's, okay? And then later on in the day, like in the afternoon, when it's, when it's late and there's not a lot of hours to put in yet, he hires a bunch more guys, and he pays them all the same rate. And the guys that were hired at the, at the beginning, they say this, the workers who were hired at about 5 in the afternoon, 5 in the afternoon, that's like quitting time, at least in American standards. They came and each received a denarius. So when those who came who were hired first, they expected to receive more. That's what they had been promised was that wage. They expected to receive more. It's like, wow, this guy's really generous. He's going to give us more because he gave these late guys what he promised us. This is going to be great. But each one of them also received a denarius. And when they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. He said, these who were hired last worked only one hour, they said, and you have made them equal to us. Who have been born who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, I am not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the one who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do that which I want to do with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? It really points to what I'm convinced of what Paul's getting at. And the reason that we're going this route and why we're talking about this is when we look at happiness and joy, so much of what we call joy and what would think we would make us joyful are just a bunch of little circumstances that affect how we feel. And I'm telling you, joy is something that's much richer, much deeper. But Paul says in Philippians 2 Don't do anything out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but to the interests of others. If Chloe and, and Sophia had actually cooperated, I'm glad you didn't lie in church. But I kind of wished you had, at least partially. You know what I'm saying? But you see, the what what could have happened is like, wow, this is great. Thank you for this. And yet, that's diminished as soon as we see someone else who gets something better. It's all based on our happiness. It's based on our circumstances. What we find here now, as we step into Luke chapter 1, we if you remember last week, we talked about the angels came to Elizabeth, the angel came to Mary. They were both promised children. And we can read some aspects into this passage this morning. I don't want to read too much into it, but I want us to look at it. I want us to look at with this understanding. Here, these angels came to the shepherds and said, hey, I have a message for you, and this message is of joy. We're bringing it to you. You didn't do anything to create it yourself. This message is of joy. And so here you have now this, these two women, and they're both going to be delivering children. And as a parent, we heard it from Aaron and Amanda, there's a certain sense of joy that comes with your children. And yet what happens when something goes awry? It goes from happiness to sorrow. And I understand the mix, but what I want us to really grasp is look at Elizabeth, look at Mary, look at Zachariah as we encounter this passage. I want you to identify where's their joy. What is it that's creating joy in them? Is it just having their kids? I think it's more. Take a look. Luke chapter 1. So we left off last time Mary had just been told... And and Chris read the passage for us here just this morning. Mary had just been told she's going to deliver the Messiah. And Mary's final words were basically, let it be done as you say, and I'm good with it. I am your, your servant. Even responding to that no word of the Lord will ever fail. And so this is her response then. At that point, that was verse 38, and here we're now at verse 39. At that time then, as soon as Mary got the message, she gets up and she hurries off. She hurried off to a town in the hill country of Judea where she, encountered, where she entered Zacharias' home and greeted Elizabeth. Elizabeth was promised a child who would be John, and we know it now as John the Baptist. His name is going to be John. Promised that child. That child, it said, we looked at it last week, was to have be filled with the Holy Spirit even before birth. That's what the, the passage said. That's who this one is. Mary, she's the one that's expecting the Messiah, expecting Jesus. So we have two people. They are related. So she enters in Zechariah's home, and she greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby in her, loom, or her womb leapt, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Hear this. This is huge. Just grasp what's going on here. You have an unborn child filled with the Holy Spirit, when comes in the presence of Jesus, can't help but be stirred. Joy comes when we are finding ourselves in the presence of the Lord. When Jesus is near, the Holy Spirit responds. And it brings us joy. I want you to grasp the idea and the understanding. The Holy Spirit is constantly pointing back to Jesus. You see it right here with the leaping of the child within her. And then Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit. We're going to see her joy in just a moment in a loud voice. She exclaimed, Blessed are you among women. She's not saying, Why do you get to give birth to the Messiah and I only give birth to the Messenger? She's not saying that. And I think that's significant. Because it would be similar to having, oh, I thought I had it good, but now I realize I've just got an old Chevette, and she's driving a Camaro. There's such a contrast, but that's not Elizabeth. Why isn't it Elizabeth? Not because she's all that and great, but it's because she has the Holy Spirit in her. And what's that Holy Spirit doing? Pointing back to Jesus Christ. If you want to have joy in your life, it's got to come from the Holy Spirit. Joy and from the power of the Holy Spirit is what helps you to be able to look at the difficulties you, you face in life and look at, wow, I don't know what you've got in mind here, God, but I'm going to trust you. And I can have a joy in the midst of that. And that's what I see what happening with Elizabeth here. So in a loud voice, she exclaimed, blessed are you among women and blessed is the child that you bear. But why am I so bummed to carry the prophet? No, why am I so blessed? Why am I so favored that the mother of Christ would come and even see me? Magnificent. As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy because the spirit leads to joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promise to her. Luke 1, Mary has a response. Mary, This is Mary's song. And we're going to go through it relatively quickly, but I just want you to hear Now, Mary also is experiencing joy. It's not coming from her own ability, but look at what the focus of her joy is. It appears that initially there's some happiness that she has because she's giving birth to a son. However, this is much deeper and much further than just what is happening to her. She says, and Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. Referring to her. So she recognizes the Lord has been good to me. From now on, All generations, plural, will call me blessed. So she realizes this goes beyond just me, and these people are going to see what the Lord has done for me. That's significant. For the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is His name. His mercy extends to those, plural, who fear Him from generation to generation. Do you see what's causing Mary great joy here? It's the power of the Spirit, giving her the eyes to see what God is doing, not just like, wow, I got this really cool gift under the tree. This is so much richer, so much deeper. Did I finish that one? Yes. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm, and he has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down the rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, and he has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as promised to our ancestors. Luke 1, verse 56, Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. When it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Notice, the Spirit is alive in this situation. The Spirit is with Elizabeth. We've already read that. We know that the Spirit is with John the Baptist. Incidentally, the joy in the midst of this. Would Elizabeth have still been joyful if she would have known the outcome of John the Baptist's life. And if you're unaware, John the Baptist had his head cut off. He was beheaded. And my answer is yes, because I'm convinced that Elizabeth saw what God was doing, not just in her own circumstances. Sometimes life's circumstances are nasty. They really stink. We don't want to deal with life circumstances. Sometimes we look at... The gifts under the trees, like, well, man, if I could just open up that, then maybe I could forget about some of these life circumstances, and maybe we do for a while. But they come back, and life continues to be hard. And we struggle and wonder where's the joy? The joy won't come, the joy can't come without the power of the Holy Spirit. So it was time for Elizabeth to have give birth to her son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy. I love this because they see it's like, wow, look at the Lord has given her a brand new Camaro. And I'm going to rejoice with it and not be dissatisfied with my own. And they shared her joy. And the eighth day, they came to circumcise a child, and they were going to name him after Zachariah. Remember Zachariah was mute. he couldn't speak, likely couldn't hear as well, because they are actually having to sign things to him, so they can't talk to him, he can't hear it, and they're, they're kind of trying to decide what the kid's name's going to be, and they want to name him Zachariah. That would make Zachariah ha- that would make any father in this culture happy. That would be a wonderful thing. Oh, I'm so proud I have my own son. He's going to be my namesake. He's going to carry it on. That would be happy for Zachariah, But he doesn't want to be happy. He wants to be joyful. He wants to be joyful by obeying the power of the Holy Spirit in him and what the Lord has given him for the message. But his mother spoke up and said, no, he is to be called John. So they said to her, there is no one among your relatives that has that name. That doesn't make sense. What's well, not call him John. That's foolish. So they made signs to his father to find out what he would like the name of the child. He asked for a writing tablet, and to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, His name is John. He obeyed what God wanted him to do. Why? Because that would make him happy? No, because it would cause him joy. There's a difference. Immediately, his mouth was open and his tongue was set free, and he began speaking praises to God. Did he speak praises to God because he could suddenly hear and speak again? I don't think so. I don't think that had anything to do with it. I think it had to do with God fulfilling the promises that he had made prior, and he got to see it come to fruition here, and what this was going to mean to the rest of the world, not only just nation. All the neighbors were filled with awe. And throughout the hill country of Judea, people were talking about all of these things. Look at this. This is why he's rejoicing. This is why he's praising God, because he will be a joy. He remembered the promise that the angel had given to him. He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. That's why Zechariah's is praising God. Not because suddenly I have a son, and I'm so happy. It's like I am so joyful that God has a plan and a purpose, and it's way beyond me having a son named Zechariah. Everyone who heard this wondered about it and asked, what then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand was with him. His father, Zachariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. And now we get Zachariah's song now. We're going to go through it really quick, but just pay attention. Watch it. See what joy, what the Spirit is doing in pointing to the reality of joy Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of the servant David. As he has said through his holy, through the, his holy prophets of long ago, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, and to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant and the oath that he swore to our fathers Abraham to rescue us from the land of our enemies. What is he hopeful for? Where is the joy? It's way beyond the fact that he's got a newborn son in his hands and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come to the come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadows of death, to guide our feet in the path of peace. And the child grew and became strong in the spirit, and he lived in the wilderness until he appeared publicly to Israel. So I wrote yesterday in my email blog, you know, I'm, I'm a hunter. I, I've spent many years and seasons hunting. And I wrote yesterday about... The, my first experience deer hunting, they didn't have something like this. These are chemical hand warmers. You open them up, you put them in the air, and they get warm. And they keep your hands warm when you're in the, the tree stand. They're lovely. My first year of hunting, these if they existed, my father would have made me buy them myself. Okay? I don't think they existed, and so I had to take what he had purchased for me or for himself and let me use. But what they used to, be, used to have was these, and they still, I think they still have them, it's a metal case. And you open up this metal case, and inside you have this, this soft cloth. I don't know why the cloth doesn't burn, but you lay in there kind of a charcoal stick. You know what I'm talking about? You've seen some of these? But you have to light this little piece of charcoal... And then you set it into the tray. you got to blow on it a little bit too first. So you light it. you got to get it red, and you've got to blow, (laughs) blow, get it going. It doesn't flame, but it starts to get hot like a charcoal. And then you set it into this little case, and you close the case, and then you stick that in your pocket, and it gets warm. The problem is, as a 12-year-old, in the cold of Minnesota, on a snowy opening morning for deer hunting, my hands are frozen. I'm pretty sure I got frostbite, and I lost all five fingers on each hand, and they just grew back. But in the midst of this, so I, I'm trying to each match. I'm lighting a match and I'm trying to light it, and it keeps going out. Blowing it doesn't go. I'm out of matches, and it's only like 7:30 a.m. opening morning. And if you're a hunter at all, you know that this is not the time to go for a walk. But I was cold, and so I got down and I walked to my dad's stand. And he's like, "What are you doing here? I'm out of matches. <laughs> my hands are cold." He shakes his head at me. He gives me some other matches. And so I, I finally, when I get back to my stand, I finally get it lit. And it's like there's this relief. I finally got the hand warmers lit, and I could put them in my pocket, and it took a little bit, and it's like, there. Okay, I'm going to live, getting my hands warm. But the rest of me was still cold. And I guess I see that that's kind of a picture of the gifts under the tree. That's a picture of happiness. And it's like, okay, that makes, me, that makes me okay for a little bit. But these, same thing with the charcoal warmer, it burns out. And they stop staying warm after a while. And they turn cold themselves. And then what do you need? I need another one. So you open up another one. Now they make really big ones, you know. So if they made a great big one like this, then you could sit in there all day, just put it in your whole suit, and you stay warm. But the, but the idea of it is, is those are so temporary. And I know this is an imperfect illustration, but the idea of it is, we're looking so often... For happiness, something that that can satisfy us in a moment. But joy is so much bigger. It's like a, a big can you imagine now? Being up in your up in your tree stand and you just get covered up with big feathery blanket. Now granted, if anything comes by, you're not gonna do anything about it because you can't you can't shed your layer. You know what I mean? But you understand the idea of the warmth. It's like, oh joy is so much more than just a temporary moment of pleasure. And when we look at these scriptures, and I hope you were able to see it when you look at Mary's response, you look at Elizabeth's response, you look at Zechariah's response, in what the angels are saying to the shepherds, and how the shepherds responded to what the angels said, there's something much bigger going on than gifts under a tree. It's like, wow. This is rich. This is causing me hope. The, the Spirit will create in you Joy. And some of us, I think, we need joy this Christmas. And I'm going to invite you, invite the Holy Spirit. He's the only one that can give you joy. Everything else is going to leave you empty.